Come on. Welcome to Money Savage REI and welcome our guest, the strong and powerful Neil Bawa. Neil, are you ready to do this? Absolutely, George. Thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. Neil is a real estate investor. He's a technologist, a data scientist, an educator, and the CEO of Grow Capitus and Multifamily U. You'll have to uh, update my numbers, Neil, but you have probably around 3,000 units serving over 500 investors. Somewhere in that range, yep. Both of those numbers are, are quite accurate. Perfect. Well, if you would, tell us a little bit more about your personal life, uh, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, as uh, as you mentioned, George, um, I like to introduce myself as a geek, a nerd, a <laughs> dork. All of those things work for me because I, th- I think that uh, I come from the world of high, high technology. I live in Silicon Valley and I'm very deeply entrenched in the philosophy of, of Silicon Valley, which is extraordinary rate of change, you know, record everything, measure everything, right? So, you know, my key mantras are, you know, you, you can only manage what you can measure and data beats gut feel by a million miles, right? So those are two kind of um, the cornerstones of our business, uh, very technology driven. In fact, I often tell people, and this is only partially a joke that I am doing a very good job of running a technology company that is masquerading as a real estate company, right? So everyone in our company is a technologist. Uh, we use an extraordinary number level of tools. The last time we counted, we had 81 cloud software in use in the company that we're paying for for subscriptions. Two thirds of our employees live in the Philippines. One third live in the United States. So 10 people in the in the U.S. full time, 20 in the Philippines, and then we have about a hundred staff at our properties. So we don't usually count them as our employees because technically they're, we supervise them, but they're they're actually employed by the property, the project. Um, uh, roughly 10 states that we're active in, actually not roughly, exactly 10 states that we're active in. Um, there are 18 current projects, about almost 400 million value. Uh, bread and butter is multifamily. And, um, and but we also do a lot of student housing. So multifamily and student housing are kind of the bread and butter. And then we do storage and industrial as well. We build, build townhomes. We have three divisions of our company and that's where we are unusual. You know, I'm pretty sure you've had syndicators before on your, on your podcast, but the vast majority of syndicators, they simply take an existing product. Maybe it's a self storage, maybe it's a mobile home park, maybe it's an apartment, and then they improve it. And we do that as well, but that is not the bulk of our business. So we have three divisions. There's the value add division. It's only about a hundred million at this point because we've sold off some of the assets, and the uh, uh, about a uh, hundred and fifty million is new construction. So that's a separate div- division where we're a developer. Uh, right now we've got industrial projects in um, in development. We've got a lot of multifamily in development. Um, we've also got townhomes in development. And then the third project of our company, which is by far the fastest growing you know, portion of our business, is that we build fourplexes for investors. So don't think of it as a syndication, even though sometimes it ends up being a syndication because we take investor money to build those. But more and more, we simply you know, go to a customer and say, here's what we're building, here's what's gonna look like, this is when you'll get the key. 
these are this is what your tenants are going to be paying and here's your property manager so we basically create that turnkey experience that's very common in the US but we create it for new construction and um, you know hand over the keys to them after the tenants are already in the property managers already in the property is already completed so they're not signing on these expensive recourse loans which most people are afraid of for new construction they're afraid of construction delays they you know given that People have a locked-in price with us. If construction is delayed by four months, it costs them exactly zero dollars. So that's the fourplex division of our company, and is very fast-growing with fourplexes in pretty much all of the top markets in Texas, and also in uh, in Idaho. I, Idaho Falls is the fastest-growing city in the United States, so we invest there. So three different divisions keeps us quite busy, George. Yeah, I don't doubt that for a second. This episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. I certainly appreciate everything you were talking about with technology and taking that sort of Silicon Valley ethos and then applying it to real estate. Why what what advantages do you get from all the technology that you're incorporating? Well, I think the first advantage is a state of mind. Technologists believe in looking at data at a con- on a continuous basis and changing their mind all the time. So I'll give you Dr. Fauci as an example, right? So Dr. Fauci was recently asked by, I think it was he was on Fox News, so they were asking him questions about, well, you said X, and notice that a month later you said Y. And which was like almost the diametric opposite. So should we even trust you? And he says, everybody that believes in science is like that. We're not tied to any particular point of view. So I absolutely reserve the right to go in this direction and then look at the data 15 days later and make a U-turn, right? And that's, that is refreshing. I mean, you don't see that in real estate all the time. People have their bully pulpits and they're saying, this is best. They say things like multifamily is best. And five years later, it's best. 10 years later, it's best. Why? Because they're doing multifamily. Well, our approach is if multifamily becomes second best, we're going to fixate on what is best and how can we do it, right? So when we got into industrial, it was because three consecutive years, industrial has beaten multifamily in, in terms of investor sentiment. You know, most people don't do that. I mean, it's a Silicon Valley thing to pivot as necessary, but it's not, you don't see that in real estate. People are just doing the same thing over and over again. Once in 10 years, they might do a pivot. We do a pivot practically every year. And I think, so the first thing is, it's about a mindset. The second piece of it is, there's this obsessive, you know, focus on data, right? And sometimes it's not good, but I think 99% of the time it's good. Like um, most people, when they look at their markets, so they spend a year, they go develop that market, and then they stay in there for five to 10 years. But during that time, even if they'd done their research early on, maybe that market was top 5% in the US, but today it's top 10%. Well, they still stay there. Why? Because they'd spent all that time and effort developing the market, developing the people, getting comfortable with all of the people that they work with in that market. So they feel like it makes sense to them to stay and there's nothing wrong with what they're saying. But if you were a technologist who delivered a process, created a process to open a new market, then you could create new markets each year. So believe it or not, this year, for the first time, we're opening two markets in the same year, and neither one of them is a primary or secondary market. We focus on tertiary markets because most people are afraid of them, but we use data to convince ourselves that it's the right place to go to. So New Brunsfels 
and Idaho Falls, Idaho Falls in Idaho, New Brunsfield in Texas, are the first are the two markets that we're opening this year that we've never invested in before. One of them we've been fairly, actually both of them we've been within kind of a couple hundred miles, but but not you know in that metro. And so that is the second approach where you basically each you, you're obsessively changed chasing the best markets in the United States, even though it means that you end up recreating all of your contacts practically every year. Well, I could certainly see the benefits there, and I can also see why the majority of people would not want to pursue that because it sounds like it's hard. It's extremely hard. I think that, <laughs> but, but we built that into the company ethos, and we can't back off from it now, right? So in, in January each year, I do a presentation that about 10,000 people watch. It's called Real Estate Trends, and it just came out a couple days ago, and we'll be doing it again over the next few weeks. And so we, we spend about 300 hours of work in December to collect over 200 articles, reports. You know, we, we go into our paid subscription software, pull stuff out, create data mashups, and use that to say, okay, here's where we think the markets are this year. So I can tell you the top two markets that we picked this year in that public session, the best market in the U.S. and the most undervalued market in the U.S., neither one of them is the same as last year. So last year, it was a tie for best market in the U.S., which was Raleigh and Durham, uh, Raleigh and Charlotte in, in North Carolina. And then the, the most under, you know, um, valued market in the U.S. was San Antonio in hmm. Texas, right? So not, none of the superstars like Dallas or Houston or New York, you know, Los Angeles. These are the markets that we felt were good. Now, there's nothing wrong with San Antonio this year. There's absolutely nothing wrong with Raleigh and Charlotte this year. But this year we picked Phoenix as our top market in the United States. And we picked, um, we picked for the first time a, a Rust Belt market, Indianapolis, Indy, as our most undervalued market. And so people ask us, what's wrong with San Antonio? Why aren't you doing stuff there? The answer is nothing is wrong with San Antonio. Our goal is to pick the very best today. And both you know, Raleigh, Charlotte, San Antonio are still in our top 10, but it's almost impossible for a market to stay the top market. Why? Because so much money floods into the market that, you know, incomes are going up 3%, home prices are going up 15%. Like, you know, Boise saw a 15% increase last year. It was our 2018 winner. It's impossible. That, you know, we don't rank markets by greatest. We rank markets by greatest to make a profit, right? And the moment you do that, it's very difficult for a market to be greatest, you know, a year later because such an enormous amount of profit was made during that year. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense in the world, right? It's like, oh, XYZ City is the number one market. That's where we should put all of our energy. But in fact, it's already too late at that point. Correct. I usually try and look two years ahead. So um, I have a nugget for those of you that are watching, right? So, the, you know, there's you, you've got, George, you've got both, you know, single family type people and then you've got multifamily type people that watch it. So a lot of people ask me, you know, why is it that in your presentations you cover multifamily because you're a multifamily guy, you're an apartment guy, but then you have a big section, you cover single family. Why do you cover that when you're not a single family guy? My answer is very simple. Single family, if you look at the data trends, you end up with an 18 month crystal ball an actually working functional crystal ball, right? Because here's what happens. I mean, Nobody, and my belief is that 90% of the people that live in apartments want to live in single family homes. 
maybe even higher than 90%, could be 95%. Why do they live in apartments? Because they have no choice, right? And people might say, yeah, but they're probably staying for a short amount of time. Well, now why not go rent a single family home for a short amount of time? They can do that, right? So most people that are staying in apartments are not really staying there by choice. And you know, they may not want to buy a home, but you know, of course they would rent a single family home if they could afford it compared to an apartment. So what, what I've learned over time is that the leading indicator of apartment profits in the US are not apartments, it's single family. If a market becomes ultra hot in the United States for single family, 18 months from this time, apartments will become ultra hot because it, it takes 18 months for buyers in that market to decide there is no way I'm going to catch up. My income's going up 3%, home prices are going up 12%. So within 18 months, those people have given it their best try, realized they've lost that race. And now they're like, okay, fine, I, I can't buy a single family home. I can't, you know, and I can't pay for a single family rental either. It's out of my budget. So I want the very best apartment. Those people want rehabbed apartments. And that's what we do, we rehab apartments. Right. So what I've actually found is following the single family market is actually the best way to win in multifamily. Nice. Well, that certainly does make sense. And that explains all the data, Neil. <laughs> That's right. We're currently tracking 400 markets. So people ask me, you know, about like, for example, today I could tell you stuff for like you could have a 30 minute section with me on a city named Killeen. Killeen is a tiny, tiny city. And it's only claim to fame. The only reason why I'm so fixated on Killeen being a good product, pro, you know, uh, good city to invest in is it's 67 miles north of Austin. Mm. And a home in Austin is $437,000. A home in Killeen is $146,000. That is too much of a gap for 67 miles in a post-COVID world where most people working in technology in Austin probably don't need to go into the office more than once or twice a week after we're done with COVID, why the heck would they want to live in Austin and deal with the traffic? They can live in Killeen, which is very nice, actually. It's a very nice area. You know, it's got a nice downtown. It's not like a suburb. It's, it's got a very high rises. It's got a nice downtown, good restaurants, but $146,000 for a home. So I'm, I'm and, and unfortunately, Killeen is too small for us to do multifamily and we're probably not going to do anything with Killeen, but I, I'm obsessed with it because I know this is a great buy. And so it's, it's just a gift to people that are listening to me. If, they're, if they live in Texas, they should look at Killeen. Am I going to be there? Probably not. Killeen just got a big bump right there. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. So the, the, the fourplexes, the, the, the new construction on the fourplexes, it was, was, was that motivated just by your desire to continue pivoting into new business lines? No, um, it was motivated by a very good answer that somebody gave us to a question that we are constantly asking. And that question is, we, in the realm of, you know, of housing, whether it's single family or multifamily, which one is better? As you can imagine, that's a question we get all the time. And my answer is always nuanced about, you know, if you do XXX, then single family is better. If you do YYY, multifamily is better. And a while back, somebody came back to me and said, you're wrong on both of those. The truth is fourplexes are the best kind of housing. And I said, why? And the person basically went through a very detailed you know, breakdown of 
the pros and cons of single family and the pros and cons of multifamily. And I realized that fourplexes have both. I don't like single family because the moment you lose your tenant, no one is paying your mortgage, right? There's no scale. It's very difficult to scale up. Fourplexes, when you lose a tenant, you have 75% of your income coming in. So your mortgage is being paid so that, right. you know, the scalability is addressed. And, and if you end up with 10 fourplexes, that's 40 single family homes or close to, to the rent for 40. But what you're getting for fourplexes that is so magical compared to any multifamily is 30 year loans at what, you know, right now it's 2.8, 2.9%, 30 year loans, right? You can never get that on multifamily. At best, we get 10 year loans and those are kind of hard to get. None of them are at 2.9%. They're always gonna be more expensive. And we the, the other problem with multifamily is if you get a 10 year loan, if you want to exit in year five, you're going to be paying a million dollars in defeasance. So, so that, I mean, I had to agree, and this was several years ago, George. This, I, I had to agree that from the perspective of having the largest pool of buyers, you know, 1031 people very rarely do multifamily. Some do, some, you know, rich guys do. But 99% of 1031 people stay in the 1% to 4% range. And... Of the one, two, three, and four, I can tell you that 80% of them would pick four simply because it's got the scale. If they have the money, they would always pick the four uh, option. So what I realized was that the person was right. His argument was very, very sound. It was very data-driven. But I didn't have a product like that. So I went out and said, could I, could I make money by rehabbing fourplexes? And the answer is no, there's no volume there. Then I said, could I make money by building fourplexes? And it took me a year and a half to answer that question. Now that I've answered it, I'm delighted because I feel like the greatest value that I provide to my investors are the ones that are buying fourplexes. And people might say, you know, yeah, new construction fourplexes, low cash, you know, cash on it. My, my answer to them is very simple. You know, compared to syndications where you're buying into one of my value add projects, and there's nothing wrong with syndications. You know, still a majority of our business is going to be syndications. Problem is, I'm going to sell it in three to five years. And when I sell it, it'll be a depreciation recapture. So I tell people when you're buying fourplexes from us that are new construction, what is the hold time? And I tell them the ideal hold time is your kids will decide when to sell it after you are dead. Right. Right. That's the whole time. You're never going to sell it because you want that, that depreciation 40, 30, $40,000 a year every year for 27 and a half years. And you want to refinance after year seven. So people tell me, you know, when do you refinance? The answer is year seven. And they're like, why seven? That's a very specific number. Why not six? Why not eight? So I said, 90% of fourplexes by the seventh year have enough equity so that when you pull out the equity with the refinance, you are down to $0 invested, right? So now you've switched to what is known as infinite returns, right? You have no money in the product. You've pulled out the money. So after seven years, you pull it out. And guess what you do? You buy another fourplex. And now you've got one behind the first one, seven years after. So when you run out of depreciation from the first one, the second one's climbing in depreciation, right? So that to me is a, what I call a generational wealth vision that I've never been able to give my investors for, for uh, value-add apartments. Because again, depreciation is getting recaptured every five years. So it's a great way to make money, but it's not generational wealth. I love it. Very powerful. Well, Neil, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? So, you know, it's a book and, and you know, it's, it's very kind of 
cliche to talk about books making all the difference, but I have a point to make here. It's not the best book in the world. It's not even my most favorite book, but I think it's the most enabling book I've ever read because it allows me to read other books, right? That's its gift. And the book is called The Miracle Morning, right? So it's a book that gives you a set of uh, toolkits on what to do from 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning, or if you want to wake up late from 6 to 7. It gives you an hour, and it's a process that I follow, and I have my own little tweaks to it. And what I found is this. Pre-Miracle Morning, I was reading about six to eight business books a year. Post-Miracle Morning, I'm reading 20, and those 20 are the important ones. They are the ones where my aha moments are. Miracle Morning just enabled me. So to me, I think it becomes the most important book of all. Well, I think that that is great stuff. That definitely gets, come on. Come on. Yeah, yep. sounds like sounds like that was the key right there. Nice. It I love was. It. It, was a mind, it was a game changer for me. Love it. Well, Neil, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and how can investors or potential investors connect with you? So there's two ways to connect with me. The first one is really simple. My name is Neil Bawa, N-E-A-L, last name Bawa, B-A-W-A. Type that into Google, hit enter. I happen to be the only Neil Bawa on the web. So if there's somebody bitching about me, you're going to find out real soon, right? (laughs) Uh, There's about 100 podcasts and a dozen conferences that I'm teaching at that are live on the web. So check those out. Um, The second way is to go to multifamily. That's one word, U, multifamily followed by the letter U. Multifamily U is a collection of geeks, dorks, and nerds that are very much into data-driven presentations, not just on multifamily, but we do multifamily, single family, all of the commercial asset classes, student housing, senior housing, industrial, mobile home parks, you know, um, uh, storage. So we do all of those and we do 20 webinars a year. They're very detailed, fairly long. It's, you know, they're usually 75 to 90 minutes and very in-depth. That's what we demand from people that deliver it. And so 80% of the time people send us decks, we throw it back saying this is not in-depth enough. And so they come back and they, they refresh that and, and, and bring data to us. Multifamilyu.com is a phenomenal way of learning stuff. There's nothing to pitch. We sell nothing on this website. So you're welcome to take all of our data and all of our toolkits. There's a variety of different toolkits available on this website for data-driven investors. So check out multifamilyu.com. Perfect. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Neil your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Throw Neil Bawa into your favorite search engine and learn more about him, good and bad the ugly. <laughs> Go to multifamilyu.com and take advantage of all the great resources and thought process and data crunching that, that they've done on that site. Thanks again, Neil. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Bye, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together.